space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot, but you won't hear his voice just yet because we had a few audio issues recording this episode. What you'll hear instead is about five, ten minutes into the discussion on the episode, but to connect from Discovery Season 4. Apologies that you've missed a little bit of that. Uh, the full video of it is on the YouTube channel, which is in the show notes but we still got the majority of it in there. So hope you enjoy. Which is what Star Trek does well. Like, they've always done this. Like, they did it. It goes right back to Spock in the original series. It was letting us see an alien. Yeah, absolutely. And then we had, obviously, Data and then the Doctor. I don't think we really had one anything like that in DS9, but... No, I mean, Odo was the sort of outsider character, but he, yeah. he was very different to what had gone before. So, yeah, we didn't really do that. Um, so, And I suppose Zora's the, the equivalent this time of it. Yeah. And it, it, it's letting us explore, well, what is life and what is sentience. and Yeah. And Star Trek's always been very good at this. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it does it well here as well. Um, it may be... It's one of them, isn't it? It's difficult because we only spend about half the episode on Zora. Maybe we could have done a full episode, but then, like you say, we've already done Measure of a Man. We've already done all the yeah. stuff with the Doctor. We don't want to yeah. be... It's like... If you start doing a full episode on it, it's well, then you've got to do the parts that they did with Starfleet in another mm. episode. And do we really need to go through a measure of the man of a man again? Like it was a great episode, so it doesn't need remaking. Yeah, you're right. We don't need a full replay, but yeah, sometimes it's good not to fix something that's not broken. Very true, yeah. Um so <laughs> we <Maybe> get far. <laughs> <laughs> We get the, the rep from Earth comes back. And this is the person we met back in episode three of season three. And we find out that she's got a promotion now. And we find out that Titan is now part of the United Earth. Yeah. So Discovery's impact there actually made a big difference. And we also <laughs> find out that the president's mother was human. So, like... The president seems like she's part human, part Bajor, and part Cardassian. Yeah, definitely. She's right, and I wonder if that's maybe why she's being made the president. Maybe, yeah. She's that because she's so multi. I don't even know. Multi-species, multi I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if that's part of it, that because she's part this and part that and part that it will make it easier to bring everyone back together. And I suppose from the perspective of the politics of it, like if you're trying to get elected, she can speak to a lot of the electorate there. Like I've got yeah. backgrounds from here, here and here. And probably it'd encourage people to vote for her. Going back to the rep from Earth then, she says, 
oh, uh, we were inspired by you. And she says that to Michael, and it's like, I presume when you see you, you speak him very generally, because Saru was the captain, and he was the one yeah. who dealt with you. Michael yeah, had nothing. Yeah, I'm going to assume that, she made, that she's been in the Voyager crew, the Discovery crew. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, Michael didn't really have a lot to do with that whole situation. In fact, yeah, didn't well, she... Yeah, well, it's partly through Michael's rebellious stage. Yeah, because didn't she nick Buck's ship and go off and try and do her own thing and everything? Yeah. So, yeah, Saru should have got the credit there, really. And then another returning character, though he's not been away as long, we get Taka. Taka, the dodgy ricer fella, comes back. And... You absolutely nailed it, I think, when we talked about him in the first episode. He is basically doing a number on Buck, isn't he? He's manipulating him. Oh, big style. Yeah. And I had my theory that his little scar on his neck was because the the aliens from Conspiracy had got to him, but you again got it absolutely right. No, it's all to do with the Emerald Chain, so... That's my conspiracy, literally conspiracy theory out the window, but never mind. And yeah, he said, I mean, I don't think we're supposed to like Taka and I don't like him. So that means no, the actor and the writers are doing a good job with him. Yeah, now I wonder if this is going to be quite a big bluff with Taka. Because mm. he does start talking about his ulterior motives to want to do this. And all that, and it's because of his friend, and yeah, he wants to go to a parallel universe. Yeah. And well, let's we're, we're jumping about a bit, but let's let's talk about that now, then, because he says uh, we were going to go to a parallel universe where there was no burn and there were no wars. And Buck says, "Oh, the mirror universe," and quite rightly, he says, "No, there's other alternate universes, not yeah. just the mirror one." It's like, yeah, yeah, fair cop. Um. So well, it's the Kelvin verse. Well, is it a different universe? Yeah, exactly. And this is the thing, isn't it? Like in Star Trek, in the early days, <clears throat> there was only one parallel universe, and it was the mirror universe. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. Whenever you did time travel in Star Trek episodes, they always fixed it by the end of the episode, so it never. Yeah. It never created it never yeah. It, it never created a new timeline that splintered off. They always put it back how it was, yeah. or pretty close to how it was meant to be. Um, but we live in the post Avengers Endgame era now, and the the multiverse era. Yeah, we like <laughs> it's, it's strange that we're all quite comfortable with the fact that there's a multiverse out there now. Yeah, multiverses are definitely the in thing at the minute. And, you know, that's largely down to Marvel popularising the idea. I mean, I go back to this. To me, there's two types of time travel. There's back to the future time travel where it's all one timeline. You fix everything. Whatever you do gets incorporated into the timeline you're in, and that's that. And then there's the Avengers Endgame time travel, which is everything you change creates a brand new universe. And Star Trek really has gone from a Back to the Future approach to an Avengers Endgame approach. Well, to be fair with <coughs> Star Trek, Star Trek treats time travel however it needs to for yes, the story. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Whichever story, it treats it for however the story it's telling needs to work. Yeah, and the because thing is... Like, like 
let's be let's be fair here. Um, Discovery stops control and put things right and jump forward a thousand years, and it's the same timeline. Yeah, exactly, and it's so. it's like um, you can still have those two types of time travel within the same universe. Like you can still you can still fix the reality that you're in and that works out absolutely fine and that's great. But that doesn't mean that everything you changed didn't make another universe spin off somewhere. It's just that we're not spending any time in those universes. Yeah, we're not made aware of them. And and this is the problem I think that Marvel are going to run into. That they had Doctor Strange explicitly say there's only one universe where we beat Thanos. So that means every other universe... Has a Thanos. Has a Thanos who's destroyed half the universe. So (laughs) it just means there won't be as many people crossing over as maybe they want to. But anyway, we won't get onto Marvel spoilers. Um... The president says that the Federation's now 60-member worlds. I'm sure it was only 50-something at the start of the season, so... I it's like... definitely... Well, we... I don't... There's that um, species that Michael... Yeah. ...there now. Yeah, the butterfly they've people. The yeah, they've rejoined the Federation by the looks of it, so... Yeah. So... I... We're, seeing the, we're seeing that Michael doing something has had an effect. Yeah, I'll... got some someone back in the federation so yeah i really like that it's it's a little background detail and you could easily miss it if you didn't do yeah. podcasts where you yeah. analyze everything yeah, um like in this episode this species isn't thrown down your face it's sort of like no look look at us we've joined the we've re, just rejoined no they're just there yeah and it wasn't even i didn't even catch it until i watched it the second time i realized oh it's them guys from the first episode yeah. brilliant and it's nice that we're we're subtly showing that the Federation is growing, it's gaining traction, more people are joining. Yeah. And they've done it just by giving us a different number in two different episodes. Yeah. <coughs> and, <coughs> and bringing these guys back. In fact, they probably didn't take the best off. They probably shot it at the same time, to be fair. They might well have done, yeah. <laughs> and so then we get... Your classic dilemma. Earth wants to attack it. We need to destroy the anomaly. Vulcan says, mm, maybe not. Maybe there's a more diplomatic way. And Michael kind of plays the mediator, but it's very clear that she's more on the side Michael's, of... Michael speaks on behalf of the aliens because they're not there. Yeah, and she thinks... She, we... she comes out with a really good one, and it's... Um... We can't judge their motivations based on our own cultural background. Yeah, and she makes a good, she uses an analogy of, well, you know, animals go and do this, but they're not doing it through malice. And it is a fair point. I mean, personally, I think this species will turn out to be evil. Oh, yeah. Oh, most definitely. I I hope we have a massive fight. Yeah. I want a, a huge space battle. But oh, well, like we can see what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> but I never want that to be the first answer in Star Trek. I always want it to be this. I want them to always say, yeah. we need to talk to it. We need to try and understand <laughs> it. And that's what makes Star Trek Star Trek. And it's great to have Michael arguing for that. 
And it's great to see that... Which is going to annoy Buck even more. Yeah, it's the we are getting to this this fractured thing. She's, yeah, she's really not putting his feelings or taking his feelings into account at all in how she's acting. No, but then she can't really in her no. in oh, her I role. She, I know why she's doing what she's, but when you're in a relationship with someone and everything you do is direct contrary to your partner's yeah. feelings and all that. It's not healthy, not for a relationship. No, and it's, you know, at the minute it's not looking great, is it? Because they had that little bit of a tiff in the examples where he didn't agree with what she did with the guy on the planet. Yeah. Uh, and then we talked about him. We said they've been really mature about it. They've said it's water under the bridge. It happened. We disagreed. Let's move on. But now we're getting an even more serious contradiction, and it's... At what point does it become the straw that breaks the camel's back? You know, there's yeah. no there's no way that Buck's not going to think now. Well, actually, a couple of weeks ago, we really disagreed about something. And so it, I'm not sure their yeah. relationship will survive this, but... Well, is that... Will the, will the relationship might survive, but not if they're working together. Mm, yes, that's a very good point. Yeah, they might need Which to... Which is sort of shown here with um, Adira and Grey. Yeah. I mean, we talked about, didn't we? Like, I've, I've had this theory that it was going to end in heartbreak. And at the moment, it's not ending in heartbreak yet. They've said we're going to try a long-distance relationship. Yeah. And you can go to Trill and see how well, it all plays out. These two, these two are married. Are they actually married? I don't remember whether they I were... thought they got married. Maybe. I'd have to watch that episode again. I thought they got... I'll have to watch it again, but I'm quite sure that they got married and very young. Yeah. Um, but now Grace, since he's got his synthetic body, he obviously still cares for David, but it's all what I want to do. I want to leave. Mm. And it's... Yeah. Are they going to make it work a long distance thing? Spare in mind, they've... They've not been together really a long time because Grey died the first time pretty soon yeah. after they were together. And then Oni existed within Adira's head, which... Yeah, it, it was almost like a ghost following her around. Yeah. And it, I think is a good way to describe it. Yeah, it but the thing is, it, it there is no way that was a 50-50 relationship. Adira had all the power there because Grey could only exist as an extension of Adira. Yeah. And then now that they're back on 50-50 terms, they've both got their own body, they've both got their own agency, Grey's choosing to pursue his own dreams, which is fine, but... And again, you have to go back to these are two kids. This this is your first love. Yeah. yeah. They've both got a lot more wisdom because they've both had a trill who's much older. But yeah, they, they, this is two kids. Now they're going to be separated by a huge yeah. distance. Like, Gray no longer has the trill even giving him advice on stuff. No, that's it. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm interested to see what they do with it. Another bigger sort of concern that this raises, and again, we talked about this when Tilly left, is 
We've got rid of Tilly. I know that people say she's coming back. We'll see. She's been gone for a good few episodes now. Grey's gone. It has been said she'll be back this season. Yeah. But we don't know if it's one episode or several episodes. Or whether she's going to get her own Starfleet Academy spin-off, yeah. whether she's going to be a regular next season. Um, so we're thinning out the main characters because even though we've not had... Was Grey a main character... Well, in Discovery, it's a bit of a moot point, isn't it? Because, yeah, Grey, technically, Ian Alexander is a guest star. He hasn't appeared in every single episode since he was introduced. But I feel like I know Grey a lot better than I know Detmer or I know Washakun yeah. or I know Bryce or I know Reese. Um, so in the Discovery hierarchy, I feel like yeah. Grey is one of the more developed characters and he's gone. And Tilly's one of the much more developed characters, and she's gone at the minute. So we're creating this vacuum. Like, I think Adira's sort of like the Tilly's stepping. <clears throat> yeah. Replacement. Yeah, very much so. And I feel like we're going to have to develop some of the other characters if we want to keep this as an ensemble now. Yeah. Which would be saying they need to do sincerely. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm like, I, I'm not holding out. I really want them to let me see more of the crew. But yeah, I'm, I'm not, not but, holding my breath anymore. Yeah, me too. But it's, you know, this is the time. We've got a bit of an opening. Let Detmer step up. Let Washington step up a little bit and give them a bit more screen time. We've we've got rid of two characters that were taking up a fair bit of screen time, so let, let's see what we can do with it. Um, Then, going back to Zora and all of that business then, so Saru says that Zora means well, and Kovic is very much sort of playing like a poker face at this point, isn't he? He's, like, He's oh, almost just listening to them. Yeah, he's letting it all play out. And like you say, I think he knew exactly I, what he was going to do. I think he's already made up his mind about Sarah, that she's sentient. Yeah. And, like, I don't think he has any ever had any intention of ripping her out of the ship. No, but, but one interesting thing he does say is um, they say, well, if you do remove her from the ship, Will she get to choose her own form? And he goes, oh, of course. So it's not a punishment. It, yeah. It's literally, we we can't let you exist in this form. But you're absolutely entitled to live. And maybe they would have made a, a golem like they did for Grey. Who knows? Uh, Giving her a, a hollow emitter, mobile hollow emitter. Yeah, or a... You know, if she's oh, tell you what, she, they could have done. They could have put her in a, put her in a Pontiac, and we could have had Night Rider or something. <laughs> so, or uh, put her in a motorbike. We could have had Street Hawk. You know, all all the eighties oh, stuff. I've been watching um, a channel, the Night Rider historians, <laughs> and they've got um, two screen used kits. And oh. They've recently found the semi and the restoring oh, the semi as well, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And they know who's got the trailer, so they're trying to get the trailer for the semi as well. Oh, go on. That's 
Yeah, that's dedication. But yeah, well done. Um, so yeah, you know, we could do all this stuff with Zora. We could have the spin-off, Knight Rider, Star Trek Knight Rider. I, I don't know if you noticed, right at the beginning of the episode, I know that I'm jumping back. Yeah, yeah. But it showed another clip of uh, Discovery being repaired. Yeah, it did. And I don't know if you noticed, it looked a lot more coppery sort of coloured. Like season uh, one, two. Right. The silver that from the refix. Right, so you're thinking and I maybe. moving towards Calypso somewhere. Maybe we are. We'll have to see. Um, like, it'd be interesting when we see Discovery in space if it, if it was a trick of the light, how it looks more coppery. Yeah, now. maybe. But like you say, with the programmable matter, yeah. it's entirely possible that you can change the look anyway so i think we've we've got our we've got our get out clause if we need it for that one but it's going to be interesting to see how they get there in the end um so yeah we've talked about like stamets obviously scared and worried about control and everything and this is when gray and adira turn up and they want to advocate for zora but zora's come up with their own solution, which I think this shows that even though she's got all the sphere data and everything like that, this shows that she is a young life form because this is a very teenager way of dealing with something. Like, oh, you say you're worried about me. Right, here's a switch that you can turn me off. It just... Me off. <laughs> it, it feels very immature. It's... She's not realised that this is not really a solution to the problem. Yeah. Like, it. yeah, in theory it is, but... But it's not really a solution. It's it? certainly and not. they argue it. this point, don't they? They go, well, no, that's not good that we hold the power of life yeah. and death here. You can't... We don't do what we say. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't argue that, yes, I'm, I'm a life form, but you can kill me if... If I don't if like I don't, the way... Yeah, if you don't like my decisions or what I do... That's that's not freedom at all. So, no. yeah, it's, it's a very immature solution to the problem. But Zora is a very young being, so I can see why yeah. she thinks this is the right solution. It's just good that we've got some adults there who can step up and go, no, they... <coughs> Having a kill switch is not the right thing. We need to find something else. Speaking of weird sort of solutions, weird systems. So we've got this forum where they're debating this thing. And the rules of this forum seem to be you can just beam yourself up to the podium and start talking. Because that's exactly what Taka does. Like, he's talking to Buck and he goes... Watch this. Wait, I mean, he doesn't say that. He says something like, you've got to choose your moment. And then he goes, boom, and he beams up. And he starts... And it's like, it's not open mic night. This is... Um, yeah, this is like a, a major federation conference with the heads of the federation. Yeah, you've got to have... You, you've got to have some sort of system. I mean, you know, we anyone who's watched Prime Minister's Question Time from the UK recently will know that we don't have the most sophisticated system and it gets a bit ridiculous, particularly with the people I've, I've currently in charge. I've seen seconds of it so far. But, um, I've got that to watch after this. But the, 
you know, at least we've got a speaker who goes, order, order, and yeah. and tells people who's going to speak next. Right, you're going to speak. You have to yeah. answer his question. You might be the Prime Minister, but I'm in charge in this yeah. house. Yeah, now it's your turn. But we haven't got any of that here. We've just got Taka going, right, here we are. This is what I want to do. And I just don't think that's the greatest way yeah, of conducting. Be, it should be more like uh, Dr. Chris Wiley, shouldn't they? Put it aside, and then the president, when she, when she's had enough of uh, telling a load of bullshit and yeah. making up stuff and saying, "Well, no, yeah, we only need Plan B." <laughs> oh God, don't talk about Plan B. Um, which again, anyone? Yeah, it should have been sort of called in as a. Yeah, it should be right. The the chair recognizes the delegate from Ricer. And, okay, let's you have your say. Right, okay, you've said your bit. Is he, even, is he even the delegate from Rice? I don't know. I mean, he's a scientific specialist, isn't he? Yeah, so, but that's what I mean. They should have been called in as a scientific yeah. specialist. So let's hear from you. But instead it's just, no, I've been myself in, so that means I'm speaking. Really? Is that how it works? And, okay. And I didn't like the way that they voted either. No. Put your hand up or keep your hand down. Well, and surely you'd... Surely you'd have a pad that you could press so everyone else could see how you voted. Yeah, and also it's a little bit speciesist because, you know, the Tribble ain't got a hand, the Horta's yeah. not got a hand. How are they going to... Yeah. I'd have thought someone in the in the editing process, you know, looking at the script, would go, why don't we say appendage or something there instead of hand well, just to... Why not? Why not it just... Um... Put your answer in the pad. Yeah. And and then you keep who's voting what anonymous, which is how voting generally works. Yeah, because it leads to these situations where you've got Booker staring daggers at Michael, like, oh, so you've put your hand up, and she's like, yeah. I see you haven't. And yeah. that could have led to a really interesting scene because you could have had Booker confronting Michael and saying... I know the vote was passed the way it was, but I want to know that you voted on my side. And then Michael has to say, no, I didn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the, there's a lot more drama to be mined out of having a secret vote than there is to everybody putting their hand up. And Yeah, but, like, we don't vote like that. You go and vote, and you're in a little booth. No one else yeah. sees what you vote. And the other thing is, there's, um, I, f I forget what they call it, it's something like, it's not confirmation bias, but it's it's something along those lines where it if you are asked to vote and you see everyone around you raising your hand, you're more likely to raise your hand whether you actually agree with it or not. Yeah. It's, there's been various experiments done like the, there's one that they do where they have a jar of marbles and they say how many marbles do you think are in this and there's something like 50 marbles in it but what they do as part of the experiment is they say right there's a bit of paper there and everybody's written down how many they think they are just go and add your you go have a look at it add your number to the bottom and what they do is they put a number down like they they fill it out themselves, so they'll put 300, 275, 450. And even though, looking at it, it's clear there's nowhere like that, you go up to it and you look at the marbles and you go, 
it doesn't look to me like but these three guys have all said it's it's a lot more so so you end up putting something like oh 275 even though you know there's yeah. not I'll 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 play it clever and I'll put 276 yeah. and so yeah so you end up with this and and this is kind of like that like cuz they don't all vote at the same time either it's no. everybody's looking and seeing right Ooh, what's oh, what's he doing? Yeah, and oh, um, we want to be, we want to get in with the Ferengi. They're buying so and so from us, and he's not putting exactly. Hand up. Gonna, and... Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like you'd have stuff like, you know, all these ex-Emerald Chain things. That there's probably still a hierarchy of power in what was yeah. the Emerald Chain. They're gonna, be, oh, hang on, well. We get all our trade from them, and if we vote against them in this, yeah, yeah. So it's it's not the best system. I mean, we can pick it apart, but I think I think we have to accept that the intent of this is that it's a fair vote and that they've reached the right decision. Yeah, that, I that, think that's that's the intent. But yeah, that's what the story's um, telling us. And I'm, but, I'm assuming there's going to raise your hand where if you wanted, I haven't done, but if you wanted to play it slowly and freeze frame. You could probably work out which species had voted what. Yeah, because I think when it, it it very briefly shows a screen in front of the president, and you can see like icons popping up, and it's like the yeah. icons of the different worlds and stuff. So, yeah, you probably could. I, I thought it was interesting that the Ferengi voted for a diplomatic solution. Yeah. No, actually, that makes sense because the Ferengi. The Ferengi don't mind war because if they can sell weapons to everyone, but if they're part of the Federation now, mm. they'd want to trade. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, the, there's there's a rule of acquisition that says war's good for business, but there's a rule of acquisition that says peace is good for business. Yeah. So. <laughs> but it could be that Grand Nagus Rom's reforms have continued to, to spread all these years later. No, so I maybe like the... to think he was just an anomaly in the Ferengi. Yeah, maybe so. They went back like, to the way and, they were. And, and it was nice that Rom rose right to the top at the end of DS9. It was, yeah. But it was very much not Ferengi how he was. Oh, no, definitely and, not. And but... you'd like to think that, well, maybe he had a little input, impact through his reign, but you could see um, him being overturned quite quickly. Probably, yeah. Um, so yeah, this Ferengi we don't know, but um, maybe it's peace is good for business is the way he's going on yeah. it this time. And then back to Zora then. So we find out that Zora's changed her own primary program. Like her program now is to look after the crew and and well, to discover a little bit in a programming that wasn't there before. Yeah, she's not aware of. Yeah, that's really cool. And I like the way it's shown visually as well. Yeah, and it's sort of like a subconscious. And subconscious leads to dreaming. Yeah. And I wonder if Calypso could be a dream. Ooh, that would be a... That would be a very neat way of avoiding any potential pitfalls or anything. Yeah. But yes, it absolutely I could think, be. I think they've opened it up quite nicely here if they wanted to. They couldn't. Now she's got the subconscious and it's where she's got these memories, which is and it's showing that she loves the crew and why she won't give the information. Because yeah. Because getting hurt. 
But I think once you've developed <laughs> that, you sort of move into the thing of dreaming as well. So what we could do then is we could bring that character into it, craft. But have him in a different role, but it's the you know it's the same actor, same guy. He's called yeah. Craft, and Zora falls in love with him. But obviously, it's not it's not going to work out because she's a ship, um, yeah. and yeah, she has a dream about how it might have played out if they'd yeah. met in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. If we never... play in, we should play in with the time travel of a thousand years. Yeah, she been on the road for that thousand years. Well. They do show that she's dreaming about things that have happened to Discovery even before she came online. Yeah. Um. So, you know, she might be... That might be her way of interpreting the fact that they jumped a thousand years is that she she dreams that they've been away for a thousand years or what have you. So, yeah, if we never get a proper answer to Discovery, I, I think we can make that official canon now that it's yeah. it's a dream of Zora's. Um but yeah, visually the way they show it, again, I'm not meaning to keep going back to the Marvel films, but it looks a little bit like when you see Ultron's consciousness develop um <laughs> inside Jarvis and in Age of Ultron. So it looks a little bit like that. Um but yeah we get the dreams and everything like that. And I think that's a big turning point, like for Stamets and whatnot, starting to realise, oh, if she's got dreams, then she's not just an AI. She is something else, yes. something more. And then we get, we sort of get these dual speeches, don't we? Because it leaves it up. Michael, one scene finishes with Michael going, oh, you know what, I'll I'll say something. And then it cuts away, and I thought, oh, that's quite clever that they're just leaving it to our imagination as to what Michael might say here. But no, what they actually want to do is give us the scene of Stamets to, so they're both ready to give a speech, and we get these two speeches simultaneously. <laughs> but they are both very, very, very Star Trek. You know, we, we've got yeah. one speech about peaceful first contact and not making assumptions about new species. And we've got this other speech about trust and hope and making the world a better place and everything. So it's, it is very, it's a bit soapboxy, but it's very, very Star Trek. So I'm not going to complain about it. And like, I do like the solution to for Zara. Yeah. And all that, that, she wants to protect the crew. That's why she's not giving information. So the maker part of the crew. Yeah, that's brilliant. And then she, so she follows the the captain's orders as a crew member. Yeah, she becomes a specialist, and she's part of yeah. Starfleet. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And yeah, this is when we get yeah. Kovic says, "Yeah, well, I've decided she's she is a new life form, so she's not an AI. So we don't have to extract her." And and then he says, yeah, I'd have got rid of you, Stamets, if you yeah, had I'd a problem with it. You. <laughs> Which is great. And then it's good that Stamets goes, yeah, you'd have and been Stamets right. Said, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that's really good. And it's good that Stamets is the one who destroys the kill switch. 
Yeah. Um, it's good that he understands how it works, because otherwise he could have accidentally turned her off. But... I was thinking he could have very easily accidentally pressed on that when he turned it, flipped it over to, to pull it apart. Yeah. Oh, you know what? He might have just been blagging that he'd been won over. He could have just been like, actually, boom, turn you off. Ah, ah I win. Yeah, you were going to transfer me anyway, so there we go. And then our developing romance between Saru and the Vulcan president, he brings her, brings her, is it a flower he gives her in this yeah, one? Yeah, he brings her the flower that the tea that she made him was made from. Yeah, you see, oh, they're such a cute couple. It, it was, a, and it was, it was a great present, and but he brought her flowers. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, that, this is like this is a really steamy romance in Vulcan. Oh, for a Vulcan, absolutely. And these are going to be a right power couple. You know, you've got Saru, who's pretty much in charge of Kaminar, and now you've got the head of Nivar. You know, these are going to be a right force well, to reckon with. This is a power couple. I hope they do. I hope they do develop this. That they do become a, a real couple. Yeah, I hope they do. Because Star Trek doesn't often do long-term relationships. Um, you know, like we had Cisco and Cassidy Yates, which was really good, and we Delana had Nixon, and Tom. Uh, War. Yeah, but it, it'd be nice if we, rather than just having the one-off romantic episodes, if we actually yeah. commit to this and go right. Yeah. You mean like Riker and the androgynous boy? <laughs> yeah, that was a, a one-off episode. <laughs> yeah, that was very weird. <laughs> it was, I mean, you could argue that it was ahead of its time in terms of dealing with non-binary things and yeah, but things like that. Seem, it just didn't seem in character for Riker. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, that, uh, was the pro that was the problem with it. If they'd done it with another character, someone else from the and, show, uh, I think, I don't think, you know, it's ambitious to do that back when they did it, but I don't think we had a, as a society, had a great enough understanding of non-binary and things like that. And, it, you know, it and it's taken until now, really, that we're doing yeah. this with Adira. So, yeah, that, that was uh, not TNG's greatest moment, but points for effort. Um, but, yeah, weird one. So, the twist then, well, it's not really a twist because we've seen it coming, but Taka goes to Buck. He's got the new spore drive, which Buck's like, whoa, it's tiny. And it is. And yeah. it just integrates into the system. So, yeah, he's right. This is going to revolutionise travel. It's dead easy to what? interface with systems. But you can't make it work without... Um... No, you need a navigator. Navigator, um, he can't get. He hasn't solved that problem. And this is why he needs book. Yeah, this is why, why he's, he's been, been working on book. book. Absolutely, book and Stamets. Yeah, and he won't have got Stamets. So, no. yeah, he's, he's. I mean, in a way, he's quite lucky because book has had an enormous trauma and he's very emotionally yeah, compromised. And, and he's and like, like right. And, like, when you look at it, Michael's decisions, how she's treating the aliens, is almost driven into this. Yeah, true. Yeah. Like her lack of support for, 
you're in. And we've, we've already said, you can see why she's doing what she's doing, but he's her partner. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I, and I, I think you have to say Michael is responsible for driving him to this decision. To an extent, yeah. I think she probably should have been more in tune as to where his head was at. Like, we could see this coming. Oh, well, and she's very inexperienced like this, isn't she? True, yeah. Yeah, her only other relationship was with Ash, and that didn't work out very well. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah. <coughs> but, yeah, we we can see this coming. And, okay, we've got a bit of an advantage because we've seen these scenes that he's had with Tarka, and she hasn't seen that. Yeah. But if we can see that coming, she should see it coming, but, you know. Yeah, but it's like I said, when she's voting, when she's saying... Let's not attack the aliens. We've got a reaction diplomatically. Let's not do this to them. And, and that, and he's he's seen them destroy his world. He was. It wasn't like he was off somewhere and he heard mm. about it. He saw it happen. He saw his entire species. Yeah, and it it does make you wonder because when she finds Grudge in the quarters. It sounds like she's about to ask Sora where Buck is, um, but it's like you should have gone to see him immediately after that vote because you should have anticipated that he would have an emotional reaction to it and you need, you should have been seeing if he was okay. But I'm explaining yourself. Yeah, but they don't. Instead, we do get a bit of a cliffhanger. The ship jumps away. They're off to detonate this weapon, which, nice bit of continuity. Um, I've got it on my notes, the name of the weapon. Oh, where is it's it? It's a subspace... Uh, it's a subspace one, but there's a, there's a particular name for it. And it's the same type of weapon that they use in Insurrection, that the Sona use. Right. And in Insurrection, they say it's banned as well. Yeah. So it's another one of these good examples of where the writers, instead of making up something new, have gone back and gone, well, we've gone, hold on, we've already used yeah, this. We've Let's... got something that does that. Let's say it's that. And yeah, yeah well done. I can't remember. Thaleron radiation or something like that. But Yes. Um, but yeah, so good bit of continuity there. And then. Uh, if you're watching on Paramount Plus, you will have got a little bit of a trailer for after the mid-season break. But I think for anyone who's not seen that, we won't cover we that. Won't go into, we won't go into it. <coughs> like, any time they show these trailers, mm -hmm. you can hear a voice saying something while some action's happening. But they're not actually necessarily connected when you see it. Yes, exactly. And trailers do lie, um, yeah. which, again, going back to Marvel for the last time, but everybody saw the Spider-Man trailer where Wong says, don't do that spell, Strange, and he says, okay, I won't, and gives him a wink. That doesn't happen in the film. No. That's a totally different conversation. So... Yeah, we won't cover the trailer, but we will be back to cover Discovery after... The mid, mid three quarter, whatever season break this is. 
Um, next week we've got a new episode of Prodigy and we're also going to go back to the Dominion War. We're going to talk about Adversary, the season three finale of DS9. So plenty to talk about. We do indeed. Very, yeah, Where the Warrior is going to be awesome. Um, but in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, um, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us retrekpod at gmail.com or you can come and join us on the Facebook page. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.